Hello everyone, welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. And today I'm welcoming back into the studio, Reverend Robin King. It's been a couple weeks since you've sat down with me over a cup of coffee, Robin. Welcome mm-hmm. back. Thank you. Uh, last week we had Andrew on the show, and the week before that was his fiance, Dr. Brianna Lutz, who's a naturopathic doctor. And those two episodes um, were, well, they were really fun to mm-hmm. do because we had the two of them at our place. Uh, Kelly and I hosted them for lunch one Sunday, and then in the afternoon we took them down here to the studio and recorded a couple of podcasts and uh, heard some really great feedback on those conversations and it's always fun to share uh, an episode of the podcast with new people who haven't heard of our show before and they're maybe checking it out just because of the person who came onto the show so sharing them with uh, with Brianna and Andrew's circle of friends and their networks is giving us some exposure to new people. So if you're listening to this episode because you checked out one of those last couple of episodes, welcome back. Thank you for joining us again. And what we do on this on this show is each week uh, I sit down uh, with either Robin, who's here today, or another guest, and we pick a, a conversation topic. Usually it relates to either um, the theme that Robin is going to be speaking about in his sermon the upcoming Sunday in church here in Basha at our United Church or at the Pinocchio United Church. Or sometimes we just pick a random topic that relates to uh, something interesting about exploring our journeys of faith as humans, answering the, the big questions of, of being human. And, uh, and so it's fairly loose and unstructured. But um, I'm excited to talk to Robin again this week because it is Holy Week. We're leading into Easter right away. And we just had an awesome uh, Palm Sunday service a couple of days ago. So uh, beyond the fact that it's Holy Week and that there's a lot of really big things going on in the news, today we've got an election uh, in Alberta anyway, uh, what would you like to talk about, Robin? I mean, there's lots right there, but what do you think we should focus on uh, our time today? Okay, Ben, don't, don't give me choices. Because then, then I have to Put think of the, like the 12 things that I need to now get into the conversation somehow. And uh, it, it's, uh, well, well, let's start with, let's start with how you started. Feedback. Um, because it actually, I think, is, is a pretty important part of the whole story of Holy Week. Um, and, and especially, especially since uh, there's an election in Alberta today, um, um, Notre Dame Cathedral um, uh, burned. Uh, not, not. To the ground, thankfully, oh, goodness. they can recover some. Um, in in Paris, uh, was on fire yesterday. Um, there have been because uh, it's just a regular week as well as Holy Week. There have been shootings, and things like stuff like that's been happening. Somehow, we're going to get all of that in. Um, but let's start with the feedback part. Okay, it's, uh, feedback's really important because otherwise, uh, well, it has to be right. Because otherwise, like in a format like this, for instance, we're simply expressing our opinion. Yeah, people might be hearing it and going, "Oh, you know, you're full of whatever," or "Oh, that's not that you know," or have some questions, right? But if nobody says anything, we're just expressing an opinion. Yeah, right. We don't know whether it's having any impact. We don't know whether people disagree, agree, whatever. So feedback's important. Engagement's important, right? Um, conversations important. 
not simply taking what somebody else says strictly at face value, but actually doing some discernment, right? Some introspection. All that's, all that's really important because otherwise you're simply taking something at face value, right? Um, and that's, Well, it also doesn't build community. Like The whole well, point of this show is we want to build an online community um, that takes some of the messaging and the conversation that we have right. on Sundays and and right. widen that. That's right. that's why it's called Six Ways from Sunday. Right. So so how are you going to do that if there's not back and forth is the thing, you right? Can't. And yeah. the thing about that is, and and I I say this frequently and more frequently recently, um, but uh, when when you read stories in the Bible, more often than not, what we have is not actually a story so much as this is what Jesus said. The end. Like we don't right. hear what was said. There's there's a few occasions, sure there is when we do, but we don't always hear back what people's response to that was. Mm. And so, of course, we naturally assume that since Jesus said it, and we're followers of Jesus, that it's the thing, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, quite often people are surprised when you point out that not everybody thought what Jesus was saying was good, right? Right? Or or they'll say, well, I already knew that. You know, the Pharisees and the temple authorities and the Romans probably didn't like. No. There were average people on the street who heard what Jesus had to say and went, yeah, that's a nice thought, but not really, no thanks, and moved on, right? Just like there is today, right? Of course. Not everybody goes to church or uh, synagogue or temple or, or to a faith community. Um, not everybody does everything. You can't say a blanket everything, right? And, and so quite often we get the impression from some of the stories of Jesus that, that people simply accepted what Jesus had to say, and isn't that great? And so we get to Holy Week, a week in which we go from people celebrating Jesus on Palm Sunday to wanting to kill him on Friday, and then talking about how the disciples felt so alone when Jesus reappeared on Sunday morning because they had to hide, right? Um, and, and sometimes people go, how did that happen? Those people must have been crazy, <laughs> right? Or... or Maybe those people didn't believe in Jesus, but gosh darn it, I sure do, right? And the thing is, uh, we live that week all the time. We go we, through those. We go, we go through those motions yeah. of because because what was what was often left out of the story is how people responded. And the thing is, as much as we want to celebrate Palm Sunday and oh joy, it's Jesus, great, it's the one who was promised and everything's set up to look like you know he's fulfilling the prophecy of coming into Jerusalem the right way to be the Messiah and all that stuff. The thing is that there were lots of people who didn't believe Jesus was a Messiah, first of all. Secondly, there were lots of people who didn't believe he was a Messiah and thought he was a threat, right? The Pharisees and the temple authorities um, who would have had a lot of influence and mm -hmm. held a lot of sway with people. Um, and then there's the Romans who didn't care other than as long as they behave, it's all good. But if you're stirring up stuff for us, then that becomes a problem right. for us, right? So at one point, it's just, oh, he's just some Randy... Random right. crazy person that right yeah. has a little well, tribe following and him around. Case in and point, um, we always see we always see. Um, well, it's, it, again, it kind of depends on how you tell the story, right? We tell the story that G Judas is the one who betrays Jesus. He's evil. He's bad. He's you know thanks to John primarily. Um, he's he's the bad guy. But if all of this was supposed to happen, then somebody had to do it. Isn't Judas being the most faithful one for being the one who does what no one else wants to do, 
right? Mm. So you spin the story that way and people start to freak out on you a little bit because that's not how <laughs> they know the story. Right. Um, but again, um, there are different ways to look at the story that challenge us more deeply than simply saying Judas betrayed Jesus and therefore Jesus got arrested. Mm, that's not exactly what happened either. Jesus got arrested because the, the temple authorities wanted him out of the way. So they arrested him. And then they wanted Pilate to do, to do what they expected Pilate would do. And there's another one of those moments where you kind of go, oh, Pilate's a bad guy. Okay. It, historically, was, he was a bad governor. <laughs> he just wasn't very good at it. Um, but um, he, he's the one you might recall in the story who goes, why? What did he do? Yeah, right. He, and even when even when they get to that stage on Good Friday, where it's kind of like you know, pick Jesus or Barabbas, you know, the rebel who kills people, and especially Romans, um, or Jesus, the guy who says love everybody. Uh, even still, in that moment, when the crowd picks Barabbas, Pilate still doesn't want to hand him over. He's reluctant. Whether he's afraid because he wonders if there isn't something here or whether he actually thinks Jesus didn't do anything. We don't know that because the story's told a certain way. Right. Right. We don't have feedback. We don't have anything more than the way the story is told. Um, and, and that's that's the thing about this whole week, right, is that people start to wonder how that crowd turned on Jesus. Well, hang on a second, because if Jesus was the Messiah, the Messiah they, that they were expecting, they were expecting a great king who would lead them in with a great army in overthrowing the Romans, restoring the greatness of Israel, and not just the, the prestige of the greatness of Israel, but also the the riches of Israel, right? Mm. That the, the kingdom would be from sea to sea. And, Prosperity. And it'd yeah. be like, let's make Israel great again, <laughs> right? Um, that's so, that's what they on. were expecting. They were expecting that not just because that was what... like. In, during their time, in that time, uh, a king, just you thought of a king as being that, mm -hmm. a military leader that had well, might. Well, but then there's also the it, whole shepherd king thing, right? Sure. But what I'm going with this is that it's not just a social and cultural context that gave them that certain expectation. They also were expecting specific things because of prophecy. Right. right. So right, right. in, yeah. you know, how, I don't know how many hundreds of years before their time, uh, was it Isaiah would have, would have well, been the prophet? That, well, in Zechariah, right? The, the prophecy that connects to Palm Sunday is Zechariah, right? The, okay. the Messiah, the king who is promised, right? The, even, Zechariah even says king. The king who is promised will come from the direction of Mount Olivet, riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey, to Jerusalem. Right, so it was very specific. It's it's quite, in, and it's I think Zechariah nine, and and then again in fourteen or thirteen, something like that. It's it's fairly specific. But even with that description then, of someone riding a donkey, or a, a, see, that makes me go, how many times did somebody riding a donkey into Jerusalem from the direction of Mount Olivet have a crowd rush out and go, <laughs> it's the Messiah? It must be. And but then see this this year we got we got the story we got Luke's version of the story, and and Luke is actually and bearing in mind. You know, whoever told the original story, Luke was not the first gospel, so he, you know, whoever wrote it, wrote it from their perspective, right? right. That's the thing to, to always remember. But the way Luke tells the story, um, it's the disciples, not just the chosen ones, but the followers. Essentially, Luke, when he says disciples, he means all the followers. So all the followers of Jesus were the crowd that was cheering for him when he comes into Jerusalem. 
It doesn't say random street people ran out going, oh, look, it's the king. It says his followers made a point, Mm. almost like announcing he was coming in, right? Right. Um, And so people then went, oh, look, it's the king that was promised. Oh, yay, everything's going to be great now. Except, okay, but whether whether you believe the prophecy or it was a cultural thing, whatever you thought... Even in the prophecy, it says the, the, the king will bring peace, right? How do you bring peace in first century Judea? Well, you beat the crap out of your enemies yeah. and conquer them so completely they cannot possibly come back at you. Yeah. Right? And in fact, the Romans will do that a number of years later when they not only crush a rebellion, they actually destroy the temple in, what is that, 70 or whatever it is. Um, in order to crush the rebellion, they don't just defeat the Jews. They destroy their, like, central, um, the central piece of their faith, right? The temple. Mm. Um, and They're so that's how you do it. They're, yeah, well, yeah, that's how you do it, right? Um, and whether whether you whether it's prophecy or to date, just day to day Joe person, this is how you this is how you do it. Um, that's what they were expecting, and that's what they didn't get. What they got was somebody who said, "I mean, how many how many times in history has um, has uh, a, a war been ended or an enemy de- been defeated by somebody going, I love you. Let's be nice to each other and be friends, and let's care about each other.'" Yeah, not exactly. Uh, right. So, so our history is that we don't actually do that we very all like, well. We all like the idea of it. We love I... the idea. And there's the thing is that, that again, in this whole story of of Holy Week, um, it, from my perspective, I just don't think it's that hard to believe. Uh, I, I just don't think it's that hard for uh, the Pharisees, for instance, or the temple authorities, to turn the crowd against mm. Jesus. Um, because they basically would have gone, they would have pointed at Jesus and said, this guy is going to cause you problems with the Romans, first yeah. of all. Secondly, he's not about bringing uh, a peace by defeating our enemies and restoring the glory of Israel. Um, practically speaking, he just talks about love and being nice to each other he's and being hippie. kind to each other. <laughs> he's a hippie. He's a hippie. This guy over here, though is a fighter. He's, he's a Guevara. He's a rebel. He's he's willing to kill the Romans and over his goal is to overthrow the Roman occupiers and get them out of our country so we can get back to being good, you know, yeah. good Jews that 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 um, live in prosperity and oh, you know, like in the prophecy, like the prophecy says. Um it wouldn't have been hard for them to get the crowd to vote for Barabbas, right? No. Um you can't really blame them. You, you can't. Well, you, you can. Because they picked Barabbas. They're responsible. <laughs> but, but. but they're responsible. It's, the question is, again, you know, yeah, is there blame or is there responsibility? And even then, and is there a difference? if it was meant to happen that way, then, and then you got the, the crowd is, yes. they're it was just meant a, to, their whole, whole you, bunch you can't of Judas's. Yeah, you can't argue that it was meant to happen that way and then say, it was, you can't argue that it was, Jesus knew exactly how things were going to happen and it was all meant to happen that way because, you know, God was controlling everything. Um, and then turn around and go, so Judas is a bad guy, and the, crowd is really the crowd's evil. responsible yeah. for the death of Jesus, or the or or as John tended to imply, the Jews were responsible for the death of Jesus, or the temple authorities were responsible for the death of Jesus, or the Romans were responsible for the. They actually did the deed, right? So you know, come on, 
the others are, it's the Romans who killed Jesus. The rest are just conspirators, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, but you can't you can't argue it was all meant to be that way, and then turn around and blame people for it. Right. You can you can certainly say they were responsible for their role. Um, so so like this is this is the, the thing though, is that um, how how are you how do you look at this story? Like do you look at this story as um, uh, you know the way we traditionally look at this story? The story is the crowd turns on Jesus. Jesus dies because you know sacrifice for our sins and there's atonement and all that stuff. Um, and then three days later, Jesus is alive again as he said he would, right? Right. He's risen again um, because then death is defeated, right? Um, and okay, um, and, and that's all great and everything. That's a great story. Don't get me wrong. That's awesome. It's just that um, it's not just the resurrection part that's valuable to us. It's understanding how people got through that week. Because, see, I think I think we go through that week all the time, that week of where we're cheering for something because it's going the way we want it to. And then it's not, or, or as we often do with our relationship with people and institutions and governments, if it doesn't go the way we wanted it to, or the way we expected it to, we'll turn on them like so fast. You won't mm. even know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Cause we do that because you didn't deliver what you said. Yeah. Right. And and that that honestly that goes from personal relationships. It goes uh, so true. Uh, how often do people uh, and and it's it is an absolutely fair criticism. The, the people accuse the the church, for instance, of being hypocritical because it preaches this and then behaves like this. Right. Um, historically, we've we've that's how it's been. Right. And the same with the same with governments. The same with countries. The same with your next door neighbor even right um because we perceive we start to perceive relationships in terms of how's this good for me what do i get from this what do i get from this and jesus is all about creating community and talking about how you care for others and how you connect with people not how you break that connection right but how you connect with them and how you connect with them is compassion and grace and love um it's not um, how much money they make for you. It's not what they give you in terms of stuff. Like tax breaks. <laughs> Whatever it is. And and again, it, this is the thing. It's not just, I mean, it seems like today we ought to talk about it in the context of an election because there is one, but it's not just about that. It's about, it's about our relationship with our neighbors. It's about our relationship with, um, it's our, here's, here's a completely ridiculous one. Um, just, I see, uh, um, Kadri was, a is that how you say his name? Kadri, uh, who plays for the Maple Leafs was suspended for the rest of the series because, um, he, he, charged a player with a stick up, hit him in the head. Right. Um, and uh, like, okay, he shouldn't have done that. And his punishment is X. Um, he probably did that because, and he's got a little bit of a history of it. He's probably got a temper and he lost control and he decided to take the other guy out. Right. Um, because that's what he knows. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, he, he's probably in best, best way to describe it. He's probably just super competitive, but in being super competitive, what he's learned is it's not enough to win. You have to take out the other side, right? <laughs> you need it's, retribution. It just kind of seems like, and I could be, I'm sure somebody who, who watches hockey probably saw the game and everything and, or is a Leafs fan. Cause apparently there are still some, um, that, that there's, that somebody's going to completely disagree with that. Absolutely. Please do. 
that's fine. Give it's us your just feedback. From, yeah, it's just that from my perspective, it just kind of looks like he understands competition, it, it, given his apparent temperament. He understands being competitive. And he's a great, don't get me wrong, he's a great player, apparently. Right? He's, in fact, he scored the only Leafs goal in that game. Um, he just got frustrated, lost his cool, and made a mistake. Yeah. Right? Um, but, again, we do that. And once you've made the mistake, it's too late. Right? So even if you were in the crowd that said, I pick Barabbas, and you realize you made a mistake fairly quickly, it's too late. It was an impulse based on disappointment yeah. or anger. Right. You were responding. Fear. Yeah. You were responding to what you didn't get. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, you were responding to um, what wasn't delivered for you, whether that was because somebody promised it or you simply got frustrated because you couldn't deliver it for yourself, which is another piece of this whole thing with Jesus, right? Is that Jesus isn't just about, I'm going to bring you compassion, grace, love, and peace. And do it all for you. You have a part to play. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the key part is that, and that's when it comes to, where it comes to responsibility. It's one thing to say people people were responsible for Jesus' death, but they're also responsible for, we're also responsible for how Jesus has now been alive, right? Right. But let's go back to, you, like, framing this in the context of of what life was like for those people in that crowd in that day and age. This really relates to actually something that Dr. Lutz and I talked about on, on the conversation I had with her a couple weeks ago. We were talking about is it Maslow or Maslow? Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that pyramid that you, I remember learning about in like high school health class or social studies or something, where uh, the, a human's basic needs are stacked in this pyramid where the, your foundational, basic, most basic human needs of food, water, and shelter have to come first. And if those needs are met, then a human being can just start to think about uh, the next level of their needs, whether, and I don't remember the order of them, but you know, Mm. your relationships and societal connections. And, and then once you finally get up even higher, um, then you have, and some of the comforts that you, you might perceive as being a need, but really they're not a need. It's, it's higher up in the, on the ladder. And then at the top of that pyramid is your self-actualization or your spiritual and emotional well-being. So, is a person even capable of thinking about spiritual well-being or their uh, self-actualization uh, and having that self-analysis and introspection if they're um, in threat of violence and their their physical security is not met, they don't have their basic needs of shelter and food and water and safety met first, then, I mean, really, you're acting on impulse in the moment of of uh, fight or flight almost really. So you're, of course you're going to have an impulsive reaction based in fear to give, to um, hopefully get what you need at your most basic human level of needs. And, and what's interesting is that 2000 years later, we still have that wired into our being and wired into our brains to respond with that knee jerk reaction of uh, fight or flight or freeze and we still have that anxiety or stress response to to a perceived threat even though we're we're living in this modern age of 
you know, relative safety and comfort and where we shouldn't have Depends be, on where you live. But it, yeah. it, absolutely. Yeah. It totally depends. But I mean, yeah. speaking of like Al- Albertans thinking about who our leaders should be, I mean, we're really living in the safest and most secure and prosperous place in the world almost. I mean, the, the economy has been slower the last few years, obviously, but I mean, if you look at the span of human civilization or even just the last 2000 years, it's, we're light years ahead of, of what it would have looked like to be a Jew living in Roman occupied Jerusalem when mm. Jesus was, you know, campaigning on this platform of love and peace and, and grace, like you talked about. Yeah. And so it's, it's like, I can't imagine that even though, I mean, he had his followers who were learning from his teachings and believed in that message, but how could anybody have not responded the way that the crowd did when you were living at a time and place where survival was, was not, you know, your, your basic needs were not secure. Right. Right. Well, and then, uh, okay. Uh, but then, then it also, yes. Part of that though is whose responsibility is those basic needs is it yours personally to provide your own like and and that's that's part of where we are in the world right is that there are there are loads of people um who think that it's not society's responsibility um to provide for the poor and the homeless and those syrian it's, refugees that are going to come in and take all our money and jobs and yeah why, well, why should we help them I, trump famously right saying that that Poor people, you need you need to have the rich so that poor people have something to aspire to, wasn't that wasn't that Trump? <laughs> yeah, I think um, so. Um, but uh, because poor people want to be rich, yeah. Do they? How do you know that? Um, and how do you know that they're poor simply because they're not working hard enough, or they're not um, they don't want to work, or they they they're not employed because, or they're living on the street because they want to? You don't know that. Um, and and there's only one way to find out. And, and n- nobody's really, uh, well, okay. And then there's some people I'm sure who are assuming that, um, those are people that are in need and we must provide for them. So this is what we'll do to provide for them. Did you ask them what they wanted? Do you ask them what they need? Do you look at what the basic fundamental things are that they might need to get back on their feet or to, or to, uh, to get a job or can they even work? Do they, perhaps they don't want to work in which case, what do you do then? And uh, again, this all comes back to conversation and relationship, right? Engagement. Uh, engagement. In, in fact, it's not even about conversation or relationship. It's about engagement. It's simply about engagement. And it's a, one of those moments where you kind of go, I, I like, I'm, <laughs> there are, there are just way too many people. Uh, this, uh, uh, I just saw this recently, so I can't even claim it, but, um, there are way too many people, um, who think it's absolutely okay for politicians to talk about their faith or for politicians to be say, uh, uh, former ministers or pastors. Um, that's absolutely okay, but don't be talking about politics on a Sunday morning in the pulpit. Right. Um, because Jesus isn't about politics. Jesus is all about politics. Jesus is also all about um, personal relationships. Jesus is also about uh, institutions in a way. Jesus is all about all sorts of things. The point is that that what Jesus was trying to teach people is uh, how to live in the context of all of those other things. Yes. Not, um, not uh, um, how to make that thing um, 
work for you personally, but how to make it work for everybody for the benefit of the community. Um, because we're about community, we're about relationship, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it, like even people who will talk about how we're about community and we're about relationship will then the next minute turn around and go, well, this is good for me, so I'm doing it. Right. And this is the thing is that, that I think Jesus is about politics. Absolutely. Jesus is all about in, uh, in the sense that if you talk about good governance, right, what is good government? What, what is it? And, and at its root, isn't it supposed to be um, uh, caring for people and creating a, 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 like a, a better life for people together collectively? Right, um, a safer place to live, uh, um, better better education, right? Unless you live in Ontario, I guess. But um, but right, because he's, he's going to cut a lot of teachers anyway. Mm -hmm. it, but, but see, there's there's an example of apparently um, there's a way you can you can do that because you can justify it on the basis of dollars and cents. Well, that's right? the thing where we have limited. We have a mindset of finite resources, right? And so you have a laundry list of things that are all important. And how right. do you please the most people so to vote you into office here's by where, promising what are perceived as the most important things on that list? Right. So here's where Jesus would probably go: um, something like, um, "Yeah, I, I see that you think that you have limited resources." Have you looked around beyond those limited resources to see what other resources you might have that you might be able to access or put to use? Yeah. Um, have you considered other options? Have you thought, or are you simply sticking with what's always worked for you? Right? Mm -hmm. um, have you considered um, that perhaps somebody whose idea you thought was completely ridiculous might actually be not a bad idea after all? Um, like, have you actually explored that or did you just dismiss it out of hand? And did you kind of hear about it and like, question it and find out more did you just like go no and we again we're back at yeah. it's all about developing engagement and relationships yeah. and relationships that are about respect and and care and compassion and love and not about i'm right you're wrong mm -hmm. not about um uh i i don't want to hear what you have to say because you're one of those um it's not about and that one of those could be anything yeah, right. it's not just about politics. It's not so just... I, so yeah. I won't ask you how you're voting, or if, have you voted already today? I haven't, but I will be. Okay, and, well, I and won't... I'm, and the thing is, the thing is, I don't... I don't uh, it's not about... It, from my perspective, and, and this is the thing about... Um, I, I When people say they don't want to hear about politics from the pulpit, <clears throat> I don't think they want to hear about... It's uh, First of all, I think one thing is they don't want to hear about politics from the pulpit because they go to be comfortable. They want to hear something that makes them feel good and doesn't um, uh, doesn't really challenge them to 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 go beyond. I'm <clears throat> excuse me, taking some time to refresh myself here, and that's what this is about. Okay, that's perfectly fine. Um, there are some people who don't want to hear about politics from the pulpit because um, th they don't want to be told how to vote. And the thing hmm. is, I, I I don't know any ministers who tell people how to vote in the sense that they tell them what party to vote for or what person to vote for or even what platform to vote for. I can imagine there's a lot of ministers who tell people that you should vote, um, period, because you should. You should participate in the process. Oh, of course. Um, I imagine there's lots of ministers who will, who will talk about love and compassion and grace, 
because that's what Jesus talked about and try and put that into how we live together and how, uh, and, and this politics thing is a key part of how we live together. It's also a key part of how we don't, by the way, because it divides us as well. Right. It does. And, and that's another moment where Jesus would go, it's not supposed to divide you. And if you engage in it with respect uh, and love and grace, it won't divide it you. Have to. Yeah. It will bring you together. Yeah. That's how it's supposed to work. So how do you not say that? How do, how do you say that Jesus doesn't talk about politics? Um, he does. And so every time we talk about living with each other and with compassion and grace, we're, we're talking about that. We're talking about and um, we should talk about it more and more in the in terms of institutions. Right. Um, how the church behaves even. Right. Because there's lots of cause to say the church has been hypocritical about a lot of things. Um, absolutely. There is. Um, but you, you don't then kind of go, well, tack with them then. I don't even know why I didn't just say to hell with them, because that would seem to be appropriate for lots of people um, <laughs> if there were a hell. Um, but but um, you engage it and work with it and and uh, be part of the transformation, right? Or be part of the, the leadership that ha- tries to help people uh, understand uh, compassion and grace and love and, and how it can work for us. So the, the, and not just dismiss it out of hand yeah. as, you know... It's a handout, you know, or or those people don't deserve the, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so back to the Easter story then. And I'm like I said, I'm not going to put you on the spot to tell me who you're supporting. But as we move through this Easter week, through this Holy Week, for you on a personal level, um, if you feel comfortable sharing, what does... Th- the next few days typically look like for you in terms of your faith traditions or beliefs and how you move through that. Like you talked about how we're constantly going through the the ups and downs and emotional and spiritual cycles of, uh, of the Holy week all the time in our, Mm -hmm. in our lives. So this is, you know, the most kind of significant point in the entire liturgical or Christian calendar year um, I remember my, <laughs> when I was a kid, we would be driving into church, usually barely on time or late, and Dad sang in the choir, so he was always having to run in, and, and usually someone else in the choir would have grabbed his gown already and pass it to him in the hall on the way in to, uh, to take their position in the choir. And Dad would say, oh, we're going to have a hard time getting a parking spot. It's the C&E crowd, the Christmas and Easter, the folks mm-hmm. that only come for... <laughs> for the Christmas and the Easter service. So we're coming up to Easter. There's Good Friday in between now and that celebration on Sunday. It's a long weekend. People are going to be spending time with their families. What does it look like for you? And we'll then we'll kind of wrap up uh, with that today. Um, <clears throat> well, um, I, first of all, since you mentioned traditions, right? Um, I uh, grew up in the Anglican Church, and I grew up very much in a an Anglo-Catholic church. I was a choir boy, and back in the day, um, and not just the Middle Ages, but back in the day, uh, uh, I think we sang Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Wow. 
Um, but back in the day, there would have been services on, well, and there still is, but in some places, services on Monday and Tuesday. Because this is the only time where we actually have um, a chronology, the story, we can, we, can, we can tell the story chronologically from day to day, right? Right. Um, in real time, essentially. In real time, essentially, right? And so uh, we used to do that. So and what then, were the Monday? Because I remember the the Thursday. Well, Good Friday obviously is the Friday before Easter Sunday, and the day before that is called Monday Thursday. Right. Well, here's the thing. Which is right? confusing. one of the things about Monday and Tuesday. Okay, so Palm Sunday, which we now often refer to as Palm slash Passion Sunday, because nobody goes to church during the week anymore. So you're going to tell both stories on the same day. So you know that way you don't skip from Palm Sunday to Easter without doing the dead death part, right? Sorry, I was trying to be as sarcastic as I could about that, but that is what we do. Right. And the reason is because we don't go to church during the week, right? But back in the day, um, and this is a problem with Monday and Tuesday, uh, in, in a sense, is that um, what happens on Monday, Tuesday, even Wednesday, is Jesus's, the story of Jesus um, throwing the money changers out of the temple, right? Um, also teaching, cursing the fig tree. There's, there's stories that go over those days, but some of the Gospels tell them in a slightly different order. So it's depending on which story you're following, we know that we, we, you could go, well, I know those things happen over these days, but for this story, it's on Monday and this story, it's on Tuesday and this story, it's on Wednesday. Okay. There's a tradition for Wednesday that it's called spy Wednesday in some, uh, in, in, in some religion, some, uh, faith traditions, um, because that's the day that, um, um, Judas said, uh, I'll give me some money. I'll tell you where he's going to be. Hmm. Right, and so never Judas, heard of that one. Judas, and and I, it was new to me. I just saw it the other well, last week or so. Spy Wednesday, uh, is but that what you Spy said? Wednesday, yeah. Huh. Um, and so that story is often associated with Wednesday. The stories, then there's more than one story associated with Monday Thursday. In fact, the reason it's called Monday Thursday doesn't have anything to do with the Last Supper. From Monday Thursday, we usually tell the story of the Last Supper, which is um, what, and the reason that's so important, of course, is because it's what gives us the sacrament of communion. Three of the Gospels tell the story of Jesus with the bread and the wine and having a last meal with the disciples. It was Passover. That's why they were together. It wasn't like Jesus went, um, okay, this is going to be the last meal. Let's do this. It, they were already right. going to have the Passover meal, and it became something different. Um, John tells the story slightly differently, and he doesn't tell the story of um, the that gives us the sacrament of communion. Instead, he tells a story about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, and that's uh, that's a significant thing because it's a way of Jesus saying. Um, it's uh, essentially you need to serve others and be humble about it. Um, the last shall be first, the first last, all that kind of stuff is wrapped up in that idea of service uh, and caring for others. And so Jesus demonstrates it in the most uh, hospitable and menial way he could. Back in the day, um, if you were truly being uh, demonstrating hospitality to people, you would either you or a servant, or you would simply offer them water to wash their feet when they came in from the street hmm. because people wore sandals or nothing at all. So their feet were dirty. Right. Right. Um, and that's, if you had money and you had servants, it was usually done by the most m menial of your servants or, or by a child or something like, right. you know, somebody who didn't count. 
And if you really had money, it might have involved fancy fragrances or oils. Sure. And then there's also the story, of course, of uh, Jesus' feet being anointed um, for by Mary for burial. And so we kind of wrap all of that stuff into that same, uh, you know, idea. But essentially, the story is um, around Jesus demonstrating uh, servanthood and being humble, mm-hmm. right? Uh, then uh, that's also on the and the name Maundy Thursday. Maundy comes from commandment, um, which is part of John's story because that's as John has Jesus do that, and then Jesus talks to the disciples, and one of the things he says is the famous "Love one another" is a new commandment I give you: love one another as I have loved you. So, what does the word "mandi" mean? Commandment. Mandi means from, commandment. It, it okay. comes from mandatum or commandment. Huh. Um, and then uh, they, uh, there's a bit where he outs Judas as the one who's going to betray him. Then they go to the Garden of Gethsemane uh, to pray, where famously the disciples fall asleep while Jesus prays. And one of the things Jesus asked for is that this not happen. And then, of course, okay, yeah, it's going to. So, and then Jesus is arrested. Part of that story is I think Peter happens to have a sword, so he cuts off somebody's ear, which Jesus heals. There's a whole there's a, lot a whole of drama. thing. There's a lot of drama. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of theater in that story. Um, and Jesus is arrested. Then Jesus um, is before the the temple authorities, the Sanhedrin, who send him to Herod, who sends him to Pilate, who sends him back to Herod, who sends him back to. Pilate. It, there's a lot of back and forth. He ends up with Pilate, um, who. Uh, decides to just flog him and let him go, but then he's convinced, of course, that by the Sanhedrin that he's a, Jesus is a threat, so he better kill him. So he does a bit where he offers a choice between Barabbas and Jesus. The crowd chooses Barabbas, um, shouting, crucify him, of course, and then Jesus is crucified. Um, he dies and is um, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, asks for the body to to bury the body it's getting late so they don't have a chance to anoint the body before um, the sun goes down and of course as the sun is going down it's sabbath so they can't do anything so they just have a chance to put jesus in the tomb tomb. (sighs) sorry have to take a breath now um (laughs) which is actually what saturday is about um and uh, because nothing happens because it's the sabbath right jesus is in the tomb the next morning, the first day of the week, um, the women go to anoint Jesus, discover the tomb is empty, and go and tell the disciples who famously go, um, okay, sure, well, we'll handle it from here, thanks. Um, and that, there's, great, there's a great cartoon, I think it's a naked pastor uh, who did this cartoon where it's the women talking to the disciples, and they're, clearly they've just told him Jesus is alive, and of course, the disciples all being men go yeah it's okay we'll take it from here thanks ladies uh and um and then the story goes on from there that's the the week and a day right it's a lot of story right and it's easy to gloss over that story um and go palm sunday yay jesus um and at the very least okay on good friday he's gonna die but then easter day yay jesus he's alive again Right, and we do the celebration parts, and we missed all of the aggravation, frustration, uh, difficulty, ups and downs, moments of uh, uh, celebration and hurt. Uh, Peter denies Jesus, right, um, three times. Right? Yeah. So there's all sorts of pieces in that story. Um, so many things so to wrestle with or learn from. It would be so great if we could. Like look at the story day to day rather than mm-hmm. simply lump it all or gloss over it or, but 
we, we do that because I, I guess because people don't go to church during the week and that's that's fine um there's other ways we can communicate and share the story um but uh, we also don't really want to look too deeply into that story i think because it's dark Mm. in the middle and um that's a challenge for us and and i just kind of go but isn't your life like that right <laughs> right i mean there are days when you're celebrating because you're happy about something and this is awesome this is great there are days that you face great disappointment there are uh, days that you face challenges that that might even lead you to believe you know is there even a god and if there is why is God forsaken me, he said, quoting Jesus. There are days that we feel like that, and and there are days uh, there are days when we feel anger. Um, there are days when we feel hurt. There are days when we feel uh, again moments of happiness and celebration because we feel optimistic or hopeful. I've just covered the whole week for you. Yeah, right. It's all part of that whole story, um, and and uh, you you can't just kind of leap to the hopefulness of Easter without going through that stuff because otherwise you're completely denying our ex- our lives, right? You're denying right. a significant chunk. Even the 23rd Psalm doesn't say, um, I'm always in green pastures, <laughs> right? God isn't just with me in the right. green pastures. God is with me through the valley of the shadow of death. And leads me to. Right, exactly. Yeah, from um, something different. So right. back to my question, how do you, Robin, personally so stay, I realize, stay engaged in that? Believe it or not, this is still my long-winded answer <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to that original question. So I'll do the, I'll, I'll uh, read the pieces of the story each day um, and, uh, you know, uh, wonder and reflect on them i'll uh we have a service in pinoca on thursday night that's uh sorry let me go back to palm sunday which we just had um we did not wave palms because that would not be part of our story is my justification for that our uh, uh, we would the palms we would wave might be the palms of our hands but there are no palm trees in central alberta as far as i'm aware i could be wrong um we could have raised uh waved branches but um when a parade goes by you don't just randomly grab branches off somebody's tree you'd get in trouble for that um so we had a parade where we made lots of noise and we sang a song we had tambourines we had things to wave and flags and stuff um and we did palm crosses instead uh, which uh, was my way of saying the story is more than about waving palms. It connects. It's the beginning of this story that is the cross as well. Mm-hmm. And the cross is an interesting thing, too, because it's in the story. It's an instrument of death um, and hurt and pain, hate even. But it becomes, we hope, we hope it becomes also a symbol of hope in that the cross is defeated, right? Death is defeated by Jesus. Yeah. Um, so that was Palm Sunday. So we'll do on Monday, Thursday in Pinocchio, we'll have a, a communion service, uh, but we'll also do foot washing. I will wash people's feet. And uh, we've done this a few years now, and every, every time I mention it on a Sunday before Monday, Thursday, and you're smiling right now, people laugh. There'll be a few people who will laugh. Um, because we don't do that anymore. Yeah. A sign of hospitality when somebody comes to your door, you invite somebody over for dinner. Hospitality isn't, please come in and let me wash your feet. 
No, right? It's, can I get it's, you something to we drink? We don't do that. There are other <laughs> ways that we do that. You, yeah, you get them something to drink, or here's an appetizer, or uh, have a comfortable chair. Yeah. Um, yeah. You might, they might, they they might take their their shoes off, but they're probably more likely to take their shoes off because they think it's a appropriate to respect your your home rather than you require it of them, right? Um, and uh, so, there, but there are other things that we could do. The thing about it, though, is that uh, as a symbolic gesture of servanthood and uh, and humility, um, that it's the example of Jesus, it becomes one of those things where they're really, I, I'm not sure how else you would do that. Just as I'm not sure how else you would do communion uh, as a remembrance of the Last Supper other than to have bread and wine, right? Or bread and juice or some form of... Uh, something that represents bread and, and wine, right? So we'll do that Thursday. Um, Good Friday, we'll hear, uh, we have a service in Basha, and we'll hear the story of the Passion and the Crucifixion, and uh, uh, we'll sing some hymns and, and things, and we'll reflect on the cross. And at the end of that service, uh, we invite people to come forward and well, we give them a, a stone. Some years it's fabric or um, a piece of a, of a branch or something like that. Um, and a- invite people to bring that forward to leave at the foot of the cross as a sign of things we leave at the cross mm. like, um, with Jesus. And then uh, Easter Day, um, we have communion, of course, on Easter Day because it's the sign of community, right? It's the sacrament of community. Um, but we also we uh, will celebrate uh, new life. We'll celebrate Jesus being alive um, and the hope that comes from that, that, that uh, you know, every new day is a new day, right? There's uh, creative, creativity and, and life and everything in, and newness in every day and, uh, uh, and our hope in Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That's the stuff. And I participate in all of that stuff. Um, I have a leadership part in that, some of that stuff. Um, but, um, I, I wouldn't if it didn't mean something. Right. And what it means, uh, to me, each of those pieces is, uh, to reconnect, to remember, to reconnect with the story, um, that I think is part of my story every day, right? This idea of, um, of life. And let me start at the end and go back. Um, that that Jesus is about bringing new life, and new life, and it comes from uh, love, the love and grace, and uh, and and all of those things that Jesus teaches. Right? Um, that we we can't be we can't be a people who focus on death on the cross. We can't simply be a people who focus on. Uh, on the on the Easter on life, we can't simply be uh, on new life. We can't simply be uh, people who focus on the sacrifice Jesus makes for us. We have to also be a people who remember the life that was lived, that we are drawn to because of how it ended, and was reborn again. Mm, right, the entire story. Um, yeah, we need the whole story. You can't focus on one piece. Um, you can't simply say, Jesus died for me. That's all I need to know. No, it isn't. You need to know how Jesus lived. Mm. Um, you need to uh, to make that part of your life if you're also going to say, new life comes from Jesus on Easter Day. Resurrection's important. That 
resurrection story is really important. Jesus is alive. Only if Jesus is alive in you. Yeah. Right? If Jesus is not alive in you, then why are you saying that? Yeah. It's not just a moment. Right? It's not just a moment. It's an every day. And that every day comes from uh, the story that we have learned about the life of Jesus and how Jesus gave life in his life, not just in his death. Yeah. That's transformative. Yeah, that's the transforming part. And that's where it all connects with it. it you can't say it doesn't belong in politics. You can't say it doesn't belong in, uh, it doesn't belong in sports. It doesn't belong in, uh, in, uh, in theater or in movies or in, <clears throat> you know, you can't, you can't randomly say system. it doesn't belong in, you, yeah, you can't say it doesn't belong in this piece of our life. Because the whole point of Jesus was trying to teach people to live in a way that was all-inclusive, where compassion and love and grace, and take let's take the religious stuff out of it. Take the structure, the institution, the church. Take, um, take all of that stuff. Call God love instead if you want. Um, call Jesus by a different name if you want. But the bottom line is that the, the teaching through the life of Jesus is about love and compassion um, and bringing peace by engagement with people. Mm. Um, and and creating community by having engagement people that's that's about love and grace and respect and justice and yeah. and all of those positive and affirming things. Um, to come full circle to one of the other things we touched on at the beginning of this, with the Notre Dame Cathedral burning the other day on Monday, um, it's it is in a way such a fitting and almost beautiful analogy that the structure of the church would burn and elements of that fall away. But what's left and what's standing and almost immovable is the foundation, is the stone mm-hmm. that, that that church is built on, is the principles. Like There's this photo that I saw uh, of the inside of the cathedral after the fire was under control. And they've got lights on to light up. Of course, there's, it's nighttime and, um, when they finally had the fire out. And the cross at the front of the cathedral is reflecting the light of all these like emergency lights and construction lights that they've set up. And, and you have this dark, dark, co- covered in ash and, and soot mm-hmm. and this burnt structure and this radiant cross, the symbol of hope, like you mm-hmm. talked about is is what's revealed is what's remaining right and i think that that's that's such a perfect analogy to to how we we can maybe should look at this whole story it's uh i saw somebody uh and it was a minister actually who had posted something about how um uh nonetheless the church is the people it's not a building Mm mm-hmm and people's response to that was was not very positive. <laughs> <clears throat> and the thing is, they're both right because it's both. And this is the thing where I always get I always get really kind of when people start saying, "Well, churches should just get rid of their buildings. It's costing too much. Just get rid of it. Um, you're not about renting out your building to, in order to fund what you do. It's it, it, you don't need the building. The church is wherever God's people are praising. Right? There's a hymn. The church right. is wherever God's people are praising." Um, and the church is a people. Yes, it absolutely is a people. You are absolutely right, 100%. It's also a place where people gather and create community around a space, a place. Um, it's also when you are looking at a structure that was built 
well, they started building it in what, 11, the 12th century, 1153 or something like that. Um, that, that building, that building, that structure hasn't just seen religion. It's seen history in a way that you, we cannot possibly imagine because it has seen hundreds of years of history. It was, uh, they were talking about how parts of it had been damaged by the Huguenot Rebellion, the Protestant Rebellion. Yeah. The part of it were, um, uh, part of it was just damaged and a lot of the inside was, was removed during the French Revolution. There, they, there's places where there's, there's bullet holes, right? From it, yes, it survived two wards, but it was damaged during the liberation of Paris, right? Yeah. Um, in the Second World War. And so it's, it's seen history in a way that a human being cannot, right? Um, it, it was there. And, and that's the thing. Is I, I, I read that, that story, too, where, where they were talking about how they'd managed to, they think they have managed, first of all, they've saved the towers, the two towers at one end, and the, the bells didn't fall either, which is great, because that would have caused so much more damage, and they've managed to, they think they've saved the walls, what's gone is the roof and the spire, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, somebody pointed out the spire was added um, during a renovation in some century that was it was not a popular addition and and hmm. anyway the the point is in that story they said they can't even rebuild the roof the way it was because there's no french territory which would have trees big enough to really? build to to cut the beams that they built the roof with that's wow. how that's how big it and they were like centuries old and all of this kind of stuff and and the more i read that story and i read about how um, it was under renovation, so they had taken some stuff out already. Um, some parts of it were saved from the fire, like the organ. That, it's a famous pipe organ um, that's, that's, again, centuries old. And uh, they, they managed to save that as well, I think. And there are some statues and things, that, but some things will have been lost, right? And uh, how is that not uh, a reminder for us that um, the foundation of what the church is supposed to be about as an institution. What is the foundation? What is the secure, the thing that is the, the, literally the rock, right, on which the church is built? Don't say Peter. Um, but <laughs> yes, but the point of that is it's built on the faith and hope of people, right? And, and uh, we, we need both of the things. We absolutely need both of the things. I, I think you need a place to gather. You do. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're talking about, a, like even people who are even atheists and people who hate the church, we're talking about Notre Dame as a symbol of the country um, it, because of all of the history that it's seen and experienced. Um, and the, the church is like that as an institution for all that it's seen and experienced and not just the good things, but the bad things. And the bad things that we've been responsible for too. Um, that's all part of the life that we have that we've lived. Um, and again, it's not just about uh, the, the resurrection. The good it's not just about the rest. It's about yeah. It's about it's death about as well. Week. It's about the whole week. It's about the struggles um, that we go through on a daily basis. Uh, and. Uh, uh, that's the, again for me. That's why the whole week is important. Yeah. It's not just about Easter's important. It's not just about Palm Sunday's important, or you know this or that, um, or the sacrifice that Jesus makes on the cross. Um, it, it's we need all of it, um, uh, it because it reflects our own life story. Yeah. Amen. 
Can I get an amen? Yeah. Exactly. I think that's a, I think that's a good place to leave it. Yeah. So, um, for anyone listening, if you or if you would be willing to share with us what Easter week, what the Holy Week, and what uh, some of your Easter traditions are, um, we would love to hear those stories. We'd love to hear about your traditions, your your connection to um, to the death and resurrection and what all of that story means to you and whether that's easter bunnies and and decorating eggs or whether it's spiritual and that's faith a sign of new life too exactly it's, both of those we're, things. we're marking the beginning of a new season Chocolate getting ready is to a sign of new life ben absolutely getting ready to plant gardens uh whatever it means for you we'd love to hear uh, your feedback on the show and have you engage with us and the best place to do that is to look up six ways from sunday on facebook and uh, like our Facebook page. If you could give us a review or rating of uh, some feedback on the podcast app as well and subscribe to the show so that you uh, get reminders of uh, new episodes coming out each week, that would be awesome as well. So uh, again, thanks for joining us today. Hope to catch you next week. And Robin, thank you again for, thanks, ben. for this. Thanks for the coffee. You're welcome. Take care, everyone.